Welcome to Remotely Possible, a podcast about the people shaping the future of work. My name's Adam Riggs, and I'm the CEO of Frameable, a software company that's improving distributed work for Microsoft Teams and Outlook users. We're always looking for leaders, technology innovators, and software partners who might be a good fit as a guest on the podcast. If you have a story to share about creating and maintaining a highly collaborative environment for either hybrid or fully remote teams, we'll share details at the end of each episode of this podcast so you'll know how to get in touch with us. And now, let's dive into our conversation about how real people are making the future of work more successful. Welcome to today's episode. Today, my guest is Shane Spraggs. He's the CEO of Vertira, a consultancy, not a software vendor, focused on improving project management processes and efficiency for their clients, including Cisco, Dell, and many others. You can find them at vertira.com. The company was founded 15 years ago or so, and they have 30 people stretched all across Canada from BC to Nova Scotia. Shane, nice to see you. Likewise, Adam. Thanks for having me. Great. So please tell us about your company, Vertira, and uh, and your book, The Power of Remote, which is so cool, came out earlier this year. Um, yeah. Let everyone know what you are focused on and um, how you do it. Yeah, as you mentioned, we are a productivity company, and so uh, we provide uh, operational and project-related support for large companies. Um, and one of the, our key services is to support sales teams by providing uh, sales operations, sales support, where we do everything we can to allow the salespeople, the business uh, developers on teams to focus on the strategy of the sale, as opposed to getting stuck in the nuance and uh, details around getting the deals through the pipeline. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of work there that uh, we can take off their plates to get them back to doing what they do best, which is dealing with customers, which is, you know, for most companies, they recognize a good salesperson is hard to find. You want to make sure you maximize their time. So that's what we help them do. Yeah. And uh, outside of that, we do a few projects and other and other areas. Um, but uh, yeah, we've been doing it for 15 years and we have a number of our own best practices and approaches to doing projects remotely or we're for distributed teams. Yeah, let's let's talk about um, how your business has evolved in the last few years. I mean, um, during COVID, but also in the last like 12 to 15, 18 months or so. What are what are some interesting changes that you've seen uh, at your clients organizations, um, you know, as a result of more people working in a distributed way? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, the we are, as mentioned, we are a fully remote team as well. And we have been for years, but that doesn't mean we were without impact on the, the when the pandemic hit. Uh, we quite frequently got together uh, at the very least yearly to do our yearly planning. And we were not able to do that for the first time uh, ever. Uh, so we did come up with a, a, a strategic planning process for distributed teams that uh, we've been implementing and we'll be uh, sharing at some point um, down the road. Um, and, uh, and, and that helped us get through the ability to, for us to plan without having anyone in person. Um, the other thing that I noticed over the last, so, you know, we, we talked earlier about, um, we launched this book. The book was meant to be done in 2022, but through a handful of, of delays, we, 
we lost our first editor uh, and then our second editor came in and wasn't quite the type of writing we wanted to to work with and then we found somebody else in, who just happened to be in, in Kiev uh, around the same time the Ukraine war started, which delayed it even further. Uh, and then because of all the distribution issues that are happening uh, worldwide, publishing the book took far longer than it would have before the pandemic. Uh, and it eventually got out in February 2023. 20, uh, uh, by this time, remote work had already started to become on the down, downturn. And as we've seen over the last while, there's been lots of conversation about return to the office. And and then since then, even, you know, return to the office has already spiked and it's come down to, you know, you know, um, we see these articles, you know, return to the office is dead and, you know, remote's dead with, you know, hybrid's the new, the new way forward. Um, and we're just sitting here looking at it. Well, it's not really about where you work. Uh, it's about how you work, you know, it, Teams are distributed distributed all over the place, and certainly as large companies, it's rare that you have a team that's in the same office working together. You almost always have somebody, even you know, the floor below you that that you know you don't see all the time. You have to work digitally with, and we've seen, so in the last in the last few years, what I've really noticed is this real you know uh, development of remote working tools. And people taking, you know, you would never have had a conversation over MS Teams three years ago. It would have been a phone call. You know, some mm-hmm. people would have picked up the phone, called you. But I never get phone calls. And if I do get a phone call, it's probably somebody who I don't know. <laughs> <It's>, you know <laughs> right. If I, if I know them, they're going to text me. They're going to email me, you know, yeah. or going to do instant messaging. Um, it's so rare that, uh, you know, that the, you, you, you know, so all these old tools that people were familiar with back in the day. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a software background, and we had you know Slack for many, many years before the pandemic, but it wasn't really as common in most businesses. I think that's been the major change over the last three years. It's, it's brought the, the the communication tools up to up to speed mm-hmm. um, in, in more in more businesses than than had been before. Mm-hmm. So back to the book, um, the power of remote. What for for those who haven't read it, um, what what is the bottom line up front? You know, what are the big takeaways um, from the book, uh, or that you're sharing in the book, uh, based on what you've learned um, from your consultancy and all the best practices you've been able to develop? Yeah, yeah, and it really is making the case for remote work being a you know not just a good app option, but in many cases the better option, not just for the the company, but the people who are working uh, remotely as well, uh, and we provide our our, our lessons learned um, around uh, that we've had picked up over the, over numbers and numbers of years working remotely. Uh, everything from how to manage remotely to uh, how to be a remote worker, we talk about in this book, as well as uh, some some best practices for running distributed projects. Um, one of the things, for example, we have these we have these rules that we we apply uh, for remote work and. Rule number one is, is very simply that uh, no one's paying attention, and they, you know, and so if you are going into if you're working on a project with somebody, uh, and you take this rule to heart that you, you assume that no one is paying attention, um, then you can change how you work with the people to either over communicate, get more, you know, do a better job of setting expectations, making sure people are hearing things and getting confirmation. Uh, and another one of our rules is. Uh, you know, people won't do what they said they would do. And this has become more and more of a challenge, certainly with the prevalence of, of, uh, of 
people finding it, spending their entire day in back-to-back digital meetings, which are similar but quite different than being in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that uh, you know, in the office, at least you get those couple minutes to stand up after your meeting, walk out the door, maybe you know, hit the washroom or you know, meet somebody in the hallway for a quick chat before you go to the next room. Remotely, you just log off and many times just log back into another meeting. And if you do that for several meetings straight, you're kind of forgetting what you, you committed to in the first couple of meetings. Uh, and it can, it can turn into this, uh, there's an actual word for it. And it, it's a intention action gap where mm-hmm. people intend to do lots of things, but they, they, the action resulting from it is, is, is much less than what, you know, what they said they would do. Right. So, so you're, 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 I mean, when, when you, when you say them out loud, you know, people don't do what they say they're going to do, et cetera. It sounds a bit, a bit cynical, but what I think you're making a, you're not making a cynical point. Your, your point, if I'm understanding is really about um, the modalities of work being a bit different now and the, the lack of the, like the change in the quality and the type of transitions between interactions is what is making it hard for people to track everything. Does that, does that sound yeah, that's right? That's absolutely it. And, and, and so in parallel to these, we have, we have programs or, or methodology we follow to, to uh, work with it. And it's just a, it's just having, um, taking the, the lessons and uh, for granted and recognizing it, this is just the way things are with with you know remote work. If you're on a call with somebody with a large group of people and cameras are off, I'm gonna guess 90% of those people, probably more, are probably surfing or or doing other work or or you know answering emails, and that's that that factors into this. People are not paying attention, right? People um, they may have the intention to do things, and so as a as a leader or a, or a manager or project manager. You just need to take that into consideration on when you're running your team. And so we put a lot of value into, into action items. Mm-hmm. And we have a process we call days of the week, which is quite simply, you know, there's five days of the week. And every day we have something different you have to do to manage those action items. Everything from um, you know, following up with individuals directly to publicly sharing on Friday who is late. So you, you hold people accountable to uh, to what they said they would do and what what is outstanding, recognizing that when there's an outstanding action item, it doesn't it impacts more than just that one individual. It likely impacts a team of people who are waiting on that some that person to deliver. So um, we rec- so by recognizing and yeah, it's 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 a bit upfront, a bit you know, hey, it's not as as positive as we want to think about remote work, but it is it is very um, observable that you know we see this mm-hmm. all the time that. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and then we have this one other third role, which is people lack the skills to get things done. Uh, and what I mean by that isn't necessarily um, that they lack, let's say, a software developer doesn't necessarily lack the skill to develop software. It's more around um, the soft skills, you know, able to manage their time, break down complex problems into simple, achievable milestones, you know, com- communicating with others, handle shifting priorities, and so on and so forth. And what used to happen in the office was that people would would get around this be, because they would have people around them to support them and uh, and organically and they would have they could lean back on somebody and say okay um, I'm having a problem with with my email can you help me with this well at home or or you know so often in an office by themselves they don't necessarily have that support and it slows them down and it, those it's those skills which um, 
which uh, you know people are feel supported with in an office, and sometimes people can feel a little bit uh, isolated um, in remote work. And so it's important from a business standpoint to to recognize that these skills are missing uh, and look for ways to intentionally solve uh, close those gaps uh, through either better management or skills training and so on and so forth. Right, right. Um, Shane, one of the things that our um, listeners like to learn about is the the actual physical setup of of your desk and the desks of the people that you know that are taking your advice uh, and the desks of the productive people that you observe uh, either at clients or or on your own team. So tell us for a few minutes about your own. Um, remote work setup sure. and um, and about what you have seen work and not work when it comes to hardware and um, and hardware software combinations. Yeah, good question. You know, and I've always been a um, individual who believes in having the adequate tools. You know, so many companies just give people the bare minimum and um, they think they're saving money on, you know, uh, by buying an $800 laptop instead of a $1,200 laptop, not recognizing that, that $400 is going to waste, you know, hours and hours of time through other, you know, it's too slow or too, you know, breaks down easily and whatnot. So I am, uh, so my desk itself is a, so the desk that converts to a stand-up desk. I like to stand up occasionally because, uh, you know, sitting down all day is uh, yep. not good for you. So I, I lift it up and usually in the afternoons, I've got two monitors um, and uh, I use a laptop uh, and and otherwise the desk is pretty pretty clean. I've got a, a large coffee plant on the corner of my desk, which currently has a few uh, Christmas ornaments on it to celebrate <laughs> the season. Excellent, excellent, <laughs> excellent, excellent. And um, and uh, you said uh, that you use the Microsoft suite, so you use uh, Outlook for email and your calendar. Is that right? Yeah. You know, we, we didn't intend to go this route, but you know, we, we had, you know, we, we started working with, with uh, Microsoft for email and the office 365 email is very reliable. It's uh, one of the, the, you know, the exchange services, one of those core services they've had for years. And, you know, everything just, you start to realize that they have a lot of other things that come with it for free. Uh, It's like, well, it's hard to, to say no to Excel and, and Word, everyone knows how that works. And, you know, uh, and then we, we've just recently bumped into Microsoft Planner. Um, and as a project manager who is always a bit uh, suspicious of the people who really um, uh, follow the, the project methodologies to the T, I, was, I loved Planner. I love how simple and flexible it is. It's got a ways to go and some features. It would be nice to be able to, to search, uh, you know, the tasks to find things or get, you know, if it tells you that things are changed, but you haven't, it doesn't tell you what changed. But as a tool to track basic action items, I, I think this is this is one of those next um, mid-grade tools that is going to hopefully do 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 very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of businesses um, they they see project management tools as being like you have to run a big project, but there's so many small little micro business projects happening all the time that just need a checklist. Uh, and uh, we used to use smart sheets to track our action items and we've almost moved wholesale in, you know, into, into planner over the last few months um, after discovering it and really like it. So yeah, the, the whole suite is, uh, is providing, you know, I think Microsoft's hitting on all fours right now. You know, 
um, just uh, just going doing quite well. And they're, you know, you, they seem to reinvent themselves every few years, and they've really uh, really impressed me with what they've done, uh, certainly on the cloud, the last little while. Excellent. Let's let's talk about um, work-life balance for distributed teams, for for remote teams, and for you know for larger companies where they're supporting a hybrid schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how do you um, encourage your team to establish good work-life boundaries? What what format does that advice take? Uh, and then on the client side, you know, without using any names, you know, what have you seen that's that's working well, and and um, what are maybe some traps um, that you want to call yeah. out when it comes to just you know people being healthy so they can do their best work. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the word healthy. Uh, I, I, prior to working with Vertira, I was working with software for many, many years. Uh, and I've long held this belief that, you know, if you work a 50 hour work week, you may be able to get away with it for one week. And then after that, you know, you start to down, you know, the amount of productivity you get out of the, out of somebody um, after about 40 hours starts to decline significantly, especially if you do uh, subsequent weeks of 50, 60 um, you know, uh, hours a week. And I'm a big believer that if you are doing knowledge work, you need downtime to be productive. And this is the same thing that goes into the four day work week argument that people do better work when they've had a chance to re- be re- well rested and, and relaxed. And at Vertura, we have a great ace in the hole because our company is spread all across Canada. I'm in BC. Uh, we have people uh, in Alberta, Ontario, Nova Scotia, and, and New Brunswick. And that's four time zones. So we have a rule that, and this is something I would recommend for any company. If you haven't done so, establish some guidelines for when people are allowed to meet. And so we're allowed to meet from 8 a.m. Pacific to 5 p.m. Atlantic. And that gives the people on the East Coast their entire morning, hopefully without meetings, and Mm -hmm. gives people on the West Coast their entire evening, afternoon without meetings. And it's, 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 I've never had an opportunity for a company to have a way to control the meetings that are set as well as time zones do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it really helps productivity. Uh, and then I, I'm just hitting on this word productivity all the time, you know, that you have to be able to measure the work that's completed as opposed to the hours that go into it uh, as a best practice. You know, if you, if you are looking at, this is a lot of the trap we heard a lot of companies get into monitoring, you know, doing, you know, um, people uh, checking, keyboard clicks and mouse wiggles and all these things over the course, you know, how many times people go into the, open the, you know, uh, go into the office as a measure of, of whether people are working or not. It's just not true. You know, you, you need to keep, do a better job of keeping track of what tasks and, and, and projects they're working on and how, how much, uh, how much they're moving those forward on a regular basis to, uh, to see if people are, are accomplishing the work that they are were hired to do as opposed to um, sitting at their desk. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the I'm when it comes to remote work and, and distributed teams, I'm a big believer in uh, in giving people time to to go home, recharge. And one of the interesting things we found with the people we hire is we've we've noticed a pattern that people who have work life or have um, social lives outside of work do better as remote workers. And there's a couple of philosophies at play here. One is that it's likely that they are 
are getting the social fix that they would normally get at the office, but outside the office. Yeah. So they, they're not, not relying on the office for friends. That sounds a bit harsh, yeah. but it means you can go have real friends outside the office, you know, ones that you will probably care about more uh, in the long run. Um, but it also means that you have stuff to look forward to outside the office. So you get your stuff done, you get your work done in order to be able to go and, and work, uh, sorry, and play. And yep. so that's really important as well. Yep, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, okay, we probably have time for one more question. So the final question for you today would be, um, since your company is a consultancy and you you do not make software, I was wondering if you could share um, some of the challenges with the tools that either you use or that you've seen your clients, you know, your clients are bringing to the table and saying, well, okay, we, we use this piece of software um, for this function. What are some of the most frustrating uh, parts of your workflow or, again, workflows you've observed that are traceable to the software? Uh, you know, smart people can can usually overcome uh, uh, a deficiency um if they're committed to doing so, but like, you know, it's still interesting to hear for someone who is as experienced with distributed work as you are, not only is your team distributed, but also you're helping your clients do better work with their remote distributed and uh, and hybrid teams. So you have just a ton of experience. You're, you're a power user of the distributed workflow uh, that's available now. And yet, there must be some frustrations. So I would just love to hear, <laughs> love to hear, uh, you know, one or two frustrations sure. that come to mind um, for our listeners. I, I think the obvious one is email. Uh, you know, there's, despite the, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the arrival of instant messaging on the scene the last three years, uh, people are still not maximizing it as well as they should. And, and there's still lots of people in large companies that are still stuck on that email thread, you know, and they don't know how to use email. Um, for me, there's a very simple rule when it comes to email, which is use email for facts, right? If, if you're, if you're sharing anything other than fact, um, then you're using email wrong. Uh, use, you know, use instant messaging for discussion, use a call somebody, you know, or on a, on a, on a you know, on, on a video chat to, to talk about talk through a problem uh and you know I, everyone knows the issues with email but they we just haven't moved far enough away from them to to really get the benefit of of uh you know ms teams or slack or um you know Web, webex uh, yep. in you know in the office and that that's going to happen over time but there's old dog new tricks issues there i think um the other one that really really shocks me is that a lot of these companies put a, a ton of time and effort into massive amounts of software, especially in the sales side of things. Um, and I constantly run up against uh, people who have created, a, you know, they've taken data out of their out of their system and put it into Excel to work with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I look at these Excel files and go, guaranteed there's a report in that tool that should be able to do this. But yeah, you're skipping a step and you're you're creating a very stagnant data. Uh, record that is going to have to be recorded somewhere probably insecurely mm -hmm. um you know and it's just it's undoing all the work that somebody in the, you know an operations team probably put into it to mm -hmm. to offer these tools in the first place so it, and that it's a challenge you know a lot of the people aren't aren't necessarily technically minded and they're just doing 
what they have to do in the moment to get stuff to get to do what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, and that sometimes that means just exporting a bunch of data and working with it by, you know, with their hands. For yeah. lack of a better way of putting it. I mean, I you know, as I hear your answer, I I can't help but take kind of uh I won't say the opposing view, but like I I I feel some sympathy with those end users who feel frustrated by um the user experience that that this software that someone procured um, who probably doesn't use it. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. I think like th- th- there's certainly a, a reflection of of the other side there as well, that like this reflects a desire that people have that this big complicated piece of tooling that someone bought um, does not achieve. And um, so there's a good, you know, it's fair to ask, well, why is the offering so far away from what they find they may need to do. Or a third way to interpret it would just be like, hey, you know, you can export the data for a reason. And this is exactly what should be happening. Uh, People find out that they need to do something with it either faster or something that's not possible otherwise, and they just export it and do it. I think it's fair to point out that you are creating these kind of these cul-de-sacs maybe is a good word for, for, for sensitive data or for um, creating insights um, outside of the reservoir, so to speak, and that might not be good as a a long term wide wide scale practice, but it could be that it's okay um, if it helps them get it done. Sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And in the moment, it makes perfect sense. And and uh, I, for me, like it's, like you said, it's a comment on on the whole system as a whole. You know, uh, who who inst- who 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 set the software up in the first place, how right. well was it communicated, how well was, were people trained on it. Um, and uh, I, I just know there's lots of lots of money going to these big systems and to see it reduced into you know ex- an export of a CSV file for somebody to store on their hard drive um, is, you know, especially when it's customer information or, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's, it's uh, we're just not there yet either. You know, we're getting there. Yeah, I think we can just call it a missed opportunity and leave it at that, yes. right? <laughs> All right. Well, today my guest was Shane Spraggs, the CEO of Vertira. Uh, he has a new book called The Power of Remote. Check it out. Shane, thank you for joining us today. That was a pleasure. Thank you, Adam. Have a great day. I'm your host, Adam Riggs, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Remotely Possible, the podcast about distributed work and the people who make it possible. Remotely Possible is sponsored by Frameable, a software company with a mission of making virtual collaboration feel as easy as turning around and talking to each other. Learn more at frameable.com. To become a guest on an upcoming edition of Remotely Possible, head over to frameable.com slash podcast and introduce yourself. If you know someone who'd be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and include the hashtag remotely possible. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it on your social networks and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Your likes, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and to our team. Want to know how Frameable Spaces helps Microsoft Teams and Outlook users collaborate more effectively? Visit our website, frameable.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.